Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the GM Shuffle. There's always going to be a target on the Rams every week. There's no The Rams are playing a Super Bowl 17 times. You know, it's it's everybody's Super Bowl when you go play the Rams, so you got to step up. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. Michael, we are coming off an NFL holiday. I'm absolutely fired up. All 272 regular season games released last night, man. How are we feeling? We feel good. I think what we got 119 days to go to opening weekend, September 8th, that we get the Bills at the Rams. So, you know, the countdown begins. This is all we kind of wanted. It was to be able to get to that part of the season where we can start and looking at these schedules, overanalyzing them, and <laughs> and moving on from there. So, I, I look, I'm excited. Anytime I know what the schedules are, football somewhere close. Yeah, I don't even want to waste any time. We're going to overanalyze throughout this entire podcast. <laughs> Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. As always, tweet at us, at MLombardiNFL is where you can find Michael, at Femi Abebefe is where you can find me, our producer, Stephen Bond, with us as always on the ones and twos. And Michael, let's get right into this thing. Uh, what do you make, first of all, before we even dive in, what do you make of this entire week now? Because it used to be a day, now it's a week, this schedule release week, and how it's become sort of a spectacle on the NFL calendar. Well, I mean, look, based on the way the 76ers played last night, that this was a much funner show to watch than that piece of crap that they displayed. Can you imagine? Can I go off the rails here for a sec? Can you imagine <laughs> a, a, a game that's most important and then you show up like that? Like at some point, and then your best player, the great Joel Embiid, who thinks he's the MVP of the league, right? Mm-hmm. You know, then he comes out and says, well, we need a tough guy on the team. Isn't that what you're supposed to be? If you're the MVP, don't you you don't need a tough guy. You're the guy. MVP teams don't need another player around. I mean, to me, Femi, one day you and I on this podcast, we need to do a 10-part series of how to screw up a franchise at an elite level. And it starts with Sam Hankey taking Michael Carter-Williams, and it goes all the way through to every decision that they've made, which has been a disaster. A disaster. Okay, side note, back. Uh, <laughs> Now that I got uh, now that I got that off my chest, I, I think it, you know it's it's so everybody's so engaged by it, you know, and people mm-hmm. are planning trips. I mean, I bet you, 
Las Vegas today, the hotels in Vegas, are now going to start to see action from the teams that they know are coming to Vegas and what dates they are. And they're going to start planning their trips accordingly. And, and why shouldn't they? You know, if, if you got a chance to be in Vegas and, you know, and watch your favorite team in week four to play the Broncos, you know, every Denver mm-hmm. fan's calling to get tickets. It's just one of the great things about the schedule. It just it creates another revenue stream for A, the league, and B, for the people that are around the league. Yeah, I mean, the thing about the San Francisco 49ers fans, they play the Raiders here in Las Vegas on New Year's Day. So it could be New Year's Eve, the 49ers and the Raiders, that friendly used-to-be Bay Area rivalry, they can spend New Year's Eve together here in Las Vegas. Should make for an eventful time on the Strip. I I hope I'm with you that weekend. I hope I'm here for that. That would be a lot of fun. yeah, I, I think to me that, that the way it sets up with the, the Raiders schedule and Mick being there, you know, and figuring out what I'm going to do because of the shows, but to be in Vegas Christmas and and uh, New Year's might not be a bad option. Yeah, New England, Bill Belichick, your buddy, he'll be out here in, in Las Vegas the week before, <laughs> I, I believe I stay for three weeks, yeah, I can stay forever, yeah, <laughs> just come on out. Yeah, I mean, uh, it would be fun, you know, just kind of anchor in here the last three weeks of the season, why not? You know, if not now, when? Really, Femi, if not now, when? No truer words were ever spoken. We'll get you an extended stay by the strip out here. Um, But when you're the team, because all the teams, they got their schedules theoretically Thursday morning, I believe it was. But when you're inside the building, what is the first thing that you look at once you get that schedule? You know, the, I wrote this today for VEASAN, and it should be up later. It, there's a great Thomas Carlyle quote that says, our main job is to not focus on what lies distantly in the future, but what clearly at hand. And that, to me, is that sums up NFL coaches, executives, when they look at the schedule. They're only looking at September. They just want to see what the September, the first four games of September, how it's going to play out, and then what they need to do to get their team ready to play that September schedule. For example, let's take the Patriots, right? The Patriots, their last preseason game, they're going to go out to Las Vegas, and they're going to practice against the Raiders in the heat and humidity. Okay, Mm -hmm. so and then they are going to travel for their first game of the year. Again, they're going to travel to Miami. So now they've been out in the heat and humidity. Now they go to Miami. So now Belichick's going to start figuring out, Okay, what do I have to do in training camp to get the team ready to be in Miami? What do I have to do then to play in Pittsburgh the next week? And oh, by the way, then we got Baltimore and then we got Green Bay. So to him, this is a kind of a way to where now he can start his offseason or in-season planning on what he needs to do. He's not looking past the fourth game of the season. There's no chance. He's looking right towards the first four games, and that's what every team's doing. What four games are we going to play? How are we going to play them? And what do we need to do in the summer to prepare our team to be the best we can? Because remember now, three preseason games doesn't give you enough time. It doesn't give you enough time. Yeah, no, it's it's really interesting. So you would say that these teams sort of break up the season in quarters, not necessarily looking at it from a big picture because I've always wondered that, oh, do you look for the bye week? Do you look for situational travel spots? But this is more so a quarter-by-quarter quarter task that you're looking at this thing by. Because you don't know what's going to happen in October. You might be playing the, a team and their quarterbacks out. So you're worried about that and you're not. The one thing you want to do when you go through the schedule is to find the anomalies of something that you're not accustomed to playing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, okay, you're going to play Chicago. All right, new coach, Eberflus. You've already know, you know Eberflus defensively, but do you know what they're going to do offensively? 
Do you need to get ready for that? You know, what are you going to do there? All the new coaches you've got to face, Minnesota, you play them in week 12. No worries, because we got 11 weeks of tape on Kevin O'Connell and his staff to understand what we're going to get faced with. So that's easy. But what you want to do is focus on the teams like, let's take Philadelphia, for example. And Philly opens up the season in in uh, Detroit. Yep. If, you're, if you're Dan Campbell, right? You've got to spend most of your offseason getting ready to play the Eagle run game because you're just not going to get ready. If you're Aaron Glenn, the defense coordinator, you're not going to get ready to play this Eagle run game in a week. It's going to take some time to understand how they run the run game, what they do, their runs are different, bases, different fronts, the mesh points, the quarterbacks are really good. I mean, it's the number one run game in the National Football League for a reason. It's diversified, and it's very difficult to play. And if you don't prepare your team to get ready for that during the season, during the offseason, you're going to have a hard time saying, okay, Wednesday before, we're going to get ready. I think you could, that's kind of how you have to view the schedule. It's not about we're going to start fast. It's how we prepare first to then start. I think that's going to be the key. Is it harder to play these first-time head coaches early then? Because you mentioned how – Kevin O'Connell might be later down the line, so would have 11 games of tape to get some tendencies of what he's doing. But let's say you have to play the Vikings week one or week two like the Eagles do. Is it harder to kind of prepare for these guys when we have no history of them? Yeah, because you can't. the preseason are kind of meaningless in terms of scheme, right? So with, with people that play Minnesota early in the season, you know, that they got to do. And, you know, in, in week one, Green Bay. So if you're Green Bay and you're on the staff of Green Bay, you're going to look at all the Ram tape. Mm-hmm. And you're figuring O'Connell's going to run the Ram offense, some form, some variation. You know, and then defensively, you've got to figure out what is he going to do defensively. That's going to be the hard thing. Same thing with Denver. You know Denver's going to run the West Coast. You're going to run base West Coast offense with Nathaniel Hackett. It's going to be all the West Coast protections. It's going to be all the West Coast routes. It's everything West Coast. But what are they going to be defensively? And how are they going to adjust defensively? That's what makes it very challenging. So you, as you play a new staff at early in the season, you've got to try to dig for information and go back and kind of understand the person and then understand the personnel as it relates. I thought this was an interesting nugget. Steven sent this to me earlier this morning, but this was from ESPN's Seth Walder talking about the net rest differential relative to their opponents in 2022. So teams that are benefiting from rest advantages all throughout the season and the team that benefits the most in order here is the Bills with 13 days, the Lions with 11, the Broncos with nine. The worst is the Green Bay Packers with negative 13, Texans and Patriots at 10. How much do you look at rest when you factor in the schedule and when you're kind of taking a glance at it early on? Well, if you're, if you're the head coach in charge of all, everything, you're, you've got to be able to look over the landscape of your schedule and say, look, I'm going to have to back off here. You know, and mm-hmm. then you've got to make sure you give your coaching staffs the opportunity to prepare for those short weeks. You know, if you're Carolina and you play Atlanta twice within 10 days, you already know Atlanta fairly well. You know Dean Peace. You know Arthur Smith. So you're not doing a lot of preparation for that. But if you don't know a team and you've got a short week to prepare for them, then you've got to start working on it now. And so that's how you. That's why the schedule is so important in May is it's long-range and short-range planning. Only in the month of September, though. You don't want to prepare for something out in October or November when you know you're going to have enough tape to watch it. You're going to get a more valid point. You're basically researching something that you're going to re-research. What you want to do and in, in now is prepare for what you don't know based on what you have time to know. Yeah. No, it, it's it, I, there's so many angles with these schedules. London trips. We have Germany trips now. A lot to get to. But 
when I looked at the schedule, I'm always fascinated by how the league schedules the primetime games because I almost think that they're giving us little breadcrumbs about how they feel about these teams. One team in particular that stood out to me was the Cincinnati Bengals. They made it to the Super Bowl last year and they, you know, had a nice little miracle run through the AFC playoffs there, uh, winning by field goals in the AFC title game and in the AFC divisional game. But they have five primetime games, Michael, this year on the schedule. Five for the Cincinnati Bengals. What do you think that these schedules tell us about how the league views some of these teams heading into the season? Well, it tells you if you've got marquee players, they want to put them on. You know, it's like Chicago. What? How many primetime games do they have? Too many. You know, too many, <laughs> right? And but well, but you know, in fairness, if you're Howard Katz and you're putting the schedule together, you got a huge market, mm-hmm. and you've got a young quarterback that you don't know is going to be good or not. But he's a young quarterback, and there's a chance he could be good. So let's get him in front of people. And so you know, week two, Sunday night. Here we are, NBC up on in Lambeau Field. Why not? Good game last year in Lambeau. You know, why not go up there and see if we can happen again? So I, I think it's about marquee players. It's about rivalries. But it's also about fan interest in cities. You know, you know you're going to be a draw. And, mm-hmm. and look, Burrow's a huge draw. I mean, everybody loves Joe Burrow. Everybody loves Chase. And the Bengals' story was so compelling, I think it continues over. It's crazy. This is from Albert Breyer. 12 teams... 12 have five primetime games this season. You have the Niners, the Eagles, the Patriots, Bengals, Chargers, Bucks, Broncos, Rams, Chiefs, Packers, Cowboys, and the Buffalo Bills, who are the current Super Bowl favorites over at DraftKings. The Bills will kick off the regular season at SoFi Stadium, taking on the LA Rams. Michael, let's take a quick break because I want to get into the meat of the schedule, starting with opening night Bills-Rams at SoFi. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Michael, we have our week one slate. We have the slate for the entire 2022 regular season, but week one, we're starting off with a banger, is what the kids like to call them. Opening night, (laughs) Buffalo Bills, the Super Bowl favorite, going up against last year's Super Bowl champions, the LA Rams. Over at DraftKings, our friends, our show sponsor, the Rams, one-point favorite. So if that's any indication as to what we'll see opening night, it should be a fun game. You know, it's funny. I I love that DraftKings put out these opening lines on Mm -hmm. the weekend. Ten of the the teams – 
are uh, I think there's t- there's there's twelve ten dogs in opening weekend yep. home dogs home dogs and s- home dogs which is fun and and most of those home dogs what I wrote about this morning was are basically teams that were picking in the top ten which just shows you how much the book doesn't really care about the draft <laughs> right the book could care less about the draft the draft is for the 2023 team not for mm-hmm. this team now it's going to help teams like. The Carolina, if they get a legitimate left tackle, or you know what Chase did last year for them, if some receiver of the six that were drafted jump up and really play. But to me, it's that that is so indicative of of what what you know the 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 book thinks about the draft. And then you know when you look at it, the Bears are six and a half point dogs at home to the Niners. And what makes this one interesting, and I want to know what you think on this, mm-hmm. is like who. Who thinks Trey Lance is any good? Do you? I don't know. His grade is incomplete. That's right. You don't know. <laughs> it's incomplete. Yeah, and so Justin Fields is incomplete. So they're almost going to give you a touchdown for two incompletes. Now, look, I know the Niners are good and all that and their defensive front, but remember that game last year when Chicago was a back-and-forth game? Yeah. I mean, the Niners didn't win that thing until late, late. I mean, I was on them on on, on one of my picks, and it was it was a struggle to cover that one. Yeah, no, that's that's an interesting game because Trey Lance, who's the likely projected starter week one for the Niners, unless Jimmy Garoppolo ends up being that person, he's still on the roster right now, but we all think that it's likely to be Lance. That Niners pass rush against that Bears offensive line, I think is probably going to be the decider in that game. But Lance, six, six and a half, it's... On the road in week one is rather tricky with a guy who's making his third start in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 think, I think when you look at week one lines that DraftKings put out, I think what you have to do is take a step back and say, what line is going to move based on events in the next 100 days, mm-hmm. right? What's going to happen? I mean, if it, Mariota gets hurt at, at Atlanta, will that line increase? You know, what happens if Baker Mayfield gets traded to the Cleveland Browns? Where does that line go? You know, what happens if, if uh, you know, Zach Wilson gets hurt in the preseason? Where does that line go up to? Or maybe the Jets have a great preseason. Does it come down? And yeah. the one game that I keep coming to is I think that the Niner game, that has the most variable for movement because that we don't know about Trey Lance. And what happens if he comes out and lays a giant egg in the preseason? That lumber is going to move. People are going to bet that number. And they're going to move it down. So if you like the if you like the Bears now, you better take it. If you don't, and you want to wait and see, then you, you're probably not going to get. The, I think that number will move closer to four and a half by opening kickoff. That's what we have to look for as betters and people that are trying to understand mm-hmm. the marketplaces. Where is the variable going to occur? Now we all know it's easy when an injury happens. That's easy to make that adjustment. However, what happens if there's no injury? What are we counting on? Like. The Jaguars at the uh, the Commanders. What, what, what do we have? I think what are the Commanders are uh, about three and a half, know, two, I believe. Four, three actually. and a half, four. four. Is what it okay. Is. What happens if if all of a sudden Trevor Lawrence looks great? Carson Wentz decides to continue to throw the ball left-handed. You know, will that number move? I would think so. Yeah, if he does that in the preseason, then I mean, you cancel Christmas there in Washington. Um, what do you think about the variables, though, on opening night between the Bills and the Rams? Because cornerback Tredavious White, their Pro Bowl caliber guy there for Buffalo in that secondary, coming off the ACL injury, suffered that on Thanksgiving night. He might not be ready, but there sounds like he's been pretty good in the rehab process so far. Uh, but it's showing that regardless of White there or not, a pretty healthy respect for this Buffalo team only catching one point against the defending champs on the road. 
Well, I mean, look, you, you know, it's always hard to defend your title. We know that. And Buffalo is a zone team defensively. They're going to play a lot of cover two, uh, you know, and so even if they have their core, even if they have white or they don't have white, it's really not going to, they're not going to get engaged into a man to man game. Mm-hmm. You know, it, to me, I think this is, plus they drafted the kid Elam to be in the first round to kind of replace him to get him going. Yeah. Uh, and then they, you know, and so they, they've got some solutions to this. It, a lot of this is going to come down to, uh, to me, is Buffalo's pass rush. Are they right about? Are they right about Bob Miller? Can they rush the passer? And then, as they, it relates to the Rams, are the Rams right about No Bloom? I thought he played way better last year when he had to fill in for Whitworth, and he was. Are we right about the Rams' offensive line? Are they still going to be as effective as they were last year? Can they hold up? Can Stafford hold up? And do they have enough depth? I think the one thing we know about the Rams in opening day is McVay's done a really good job of getting his team to the first game. Yeah, to the first game without really putting much stress on them in the summer. It's really been remarkable, you know. Mm-hmm. And so you know they they don't they'll have one young player, the third round pick, Bruss, the kid that they drafted is at, in the offensive line. But pretty much they get their team back. Plus they get Troy Hill back, their nickel corner who they love. Yeah, no, it's it's fascinating. This Rams team, they've been the healthiest team. Over the last three years now, I believe it is, everyone's trying to figure out what they're doing to stay healthy. Um, McVay could probably sell a book on what they're doing to Seriously, stay healthy. It's, I keep counting on it. They have no depth, <laughs> and yet they never rely on the Never depth. hurts them. They never need to. They never need to. Yeah. And they do. I mean, they lost Cam Akers last year. I get that. And they lost mm-hmm. some, you know, Henderson at times. And, you know, they, they've had some injuries. I mean, look, Whitworth was out, and they've been able to adjust for it. But to me, you know, they, they've been able to get away with it remarkably and your hats off to him what's it like though opening night because you've been there with the new england uh organization where there have been plenty of opening nights where they're the defending super bowl champions what's that like with the target squarely on your back and incoming to town is the super bowl favorite by all sports books indications and a team that is hoping to be where you were a year ago yeah i mean look there's always going to be a target on the rams every week there's no the rams are playing a super bowl 17 times you know, it's it's everybody's Super Bowl when you go play the Rams. So you got to step up. The Rams' challenge is how we're going to solve the Josh Allen riddle. I mean, that's going to be the problem for everybody. The way he played down the stretch in the last month after the New England win game, after that when they made him a single wing quarterback, when he really ran the ball more effectively, and they got going, uh, it's going to be they're going to be a hard out. They're going to be a hard out. And and how good are the Rams going to be? You know, in terms of handling that, so the Rams have their work cut out for them. There's no, there's no, there's, and they don't really have. I would not say. You tell me. I mean, do they have a home field? Hell no. You know, there's <laughs> going to no be that, that place is going to be loaded with Bills fans. Yeah, yeah. Bills Mafia is going to get that extended summer vacation going to Southern California. There, they will be heavy in that stadium at SoFi. Um, I wanted to ask you about Sunday Night Football because my beloved Dallas Cowboys hosting. The GOAT, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers week one Sunday night. I mean, it's the biggest name in a quarterback and player in the NFL right now against the biggest brand on the biggest stage at Jerry World on Sunday night. What do you make of this one? Tampa right now at DraftKings, two and a half point favorites. Yeah, and Todd Bowles' debut as the head coach. So we'll see what happens. We'll see him in a different role, assuming he's still going to call the defense, which he says he is. So mm-hmm. it'll be good. And, you know, the Bucks have been able to kind of put together their team back together. You know, and I, and I think that's going to be critical for them. Uh, you know, when you go through the Bucks, I, I think the one guy that, that Brady really needs, and I think down the stretch it affected him more than anybody, is 
you know, when he's comfortable at the receiver position, you know, and he gets the guys that he feels most comfortable with, and Godwin's that guy. Yep. And so he needs Godwin. And if he has Godwin back, then I think, and we don't know whether he's back from the ACL or not, then that's really going to really determine what happens. And how Dan Quinn adjusts what he was doing defensively, a little bit of it got kind of people got used to it. Mm-hmm. So what has he done to counter that? I think that's going to be the chess game within the chess game. And then ultimately, are the Bucks good enough up front? You know, we talked about the Bucks. You know, they don't have Sue back. They don't have Jason Pierre-Paul back. I mean, Vita Vey we know is a load. But are they going to be good enough up front to really put some pressure on the quarterback that they're going to have to do to create Prescott to be in problems? I think that's going to be a fun matchup. And, and look, playing at home, it certainly benefits you for the Cowboys. This will be a great opportunity to see how good mm-hmm. the Cowboys really are. Yeah, now both teams dealing with wide receiver injuries. Godwin for the Bucks, Michael Gallup, he tore his ACL in early January, so he's unlikely to be playing in this game, so we'll see how those offenses adjust. Monday Night Football, also near and dear to my heart there as a Pacific Northwest guy, Russell Wilson, gone oh, after man. a decade in Seattle, now with the Denver Broncos. So the schedule makers, they put their hands together, they rubbed them, they said, how do we kick off Monday Night Football? We're going to send Russ back to his old stomping grounds, to the Pacific Northwest, where the Broncos are four-point favorites Monday night against the Seahawks. Imagine that. The Broncos are four-point favorites in a stadium that used to be really hard to play in. Yeah. That wasn't last year. Teams went in there and played. You know, And if anybody knows Russell and what he likes and what he doesn't like, obviously it's going to be Seattle. So, And Seattle has revamped their offensive line, so we'll see where that leads them to. Denver, we think, is always a good team. Whether they play good or not, we shall see. Mm-hmm. And how Russell cooks. I mean, I think it's fun to watch. I mean, I don't think Seattle is going to be as bad as people suspect they are. Really? They've got to be better. They have to be better. I mean, okay. the problem is they don't have a quarterback. You know? And so th- that's the issue is, is can you run the football and win in the league with, with Penny and, and, and Walker and, Car- and Case and Carson? I, I don't know. I mean, that's a hard one. But I think defensively, they have to be better. I mean, they were so bad defensively last year. It, it, can't, it can't get any worse. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not sure if I see the upside for Seattle to be that much better. I mean, losing Bobby Wagner, DJ Reed on the back end as well there. That defense, it's, it's a little shaky. They made some improvements to the defensive line, but I'm still worried about the back seven. Real quick, though, if I had to ask you for quarterback for the Seahawks, who will be behind center for Seattle? Geno Smith, Drew Locke, or mystery quarterback? I think it's going to be Drew Locke. I don't think there's any chance. I mean, the one thing I think the schedule told us is I, Howard. I wrote about this. Howard Katz must know something to play Carolina <laughs> yeah. and, and hosting the Brownies <laughs> in the first game. To me, this this you know, and and so far there's been no indication whatsoever from John Snyder or Pete Carroll in Seattle to want to take on a quarterback. Now, will that change? Mm-hmm. Maybe, but. If, the, if it's going to change, it's got to happen now. There's two guys out there available. There's, there's Jimmy Garoppolo, and then there's, then, there's, uh, then there's Baker. And I think Baker ends up going to, to, the, to the Panthers at some point. I mean, the Panthers have an interest. I, I think the best, if I were Baker Mayfield's agent, I would be demanding the Browns give them to the Panthers. <laughs> because it's the one place where he could go, he could compete for a starting job, and if he plays half, he can, once he makes them better, He'll get the credit for making them better. Yeah, no, I, I think it's really fascinating stuff here. This schedule, the schedule makers, 
have a sense of humor from what we can tell with the Seahawks going to the Broncos. You get the Washington Commanders and Carson Wentz hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars, the team that probably sent him packing to our nation's capital. And oh, by the way, they happen to be coached by his former coach in Philadelphia, Doug Peterson, who he didn't really get along with, as we learned at the end of well, their run Who's he run gotten there. along with? I mean, he, he doesn't get Nobody. along with anybody. Like, <laughs> like, let's put together a list of group of people he gets along with. I mean, it's going to be a short list. I his mean, wife. that dinner party ain't going to cost you very much. <laughs> God and his wife. I mean, and you can't get God. He's too busy. It's, it's Carson Wentz, it's almost like it's a revenge game every single week for him against any team in the league because nobody appears to like this cat. Now, I'm sure nobody in Indianapolis is going to disparage him other than the owner, Jim Irsay. But, and, and, and Frank Reich has been on record saying that Wentz is like a brother to him, but they just had to make those changes. But I'm just, the fact that Wentz yeah. has to play the Jaguars, later on in the schedule, the commanders, they go to Indianapolis. They also then go to Philadelphia because of the NFC East rivalry. He's going to be going on these reunion trips all along the season here yeah it's like rickles used to say about sinatra he used to say sinatra's got sicilian alzheimer's and people say well what's sicilian alzheimer's it's you you only remember the grudges well that's all he has is grudges like seriously you only remember the grudges that's all he has is the grudges wentz is is at war with everybody like who defends him nobody from what we've learned here At, at what game at what game do you want to make a bet uh, you and I bet that that Wentz is, you know, that they've had enough of Wentz. Oh gosh, I, I, I'd have to look at the schedule here. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I think that's something that I'm going to do this right this second while we're here doing this. Po- I'm going to go look at this schedule because I'm going to make a prediction. Like, at what point does Scott Turner and Ron Rivera throw him overboard to save their season and save their careers? Like, seriously, you I, know, what 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 point? To me, the the early indication just from looking at the schedule is right before the bye week there. They play the Giants week 13 in the Meadowlands. If things don't go well, they have the bye week to maybe then go back to Taylor Heineke to probably save their season, sneak into the wild card. That will be the early favorite for me just because I think they'll let him play at Philadelphia. I don't think they'll bench him before then. That game is week 10 at the Eagles. I think week three, week four, (laughs) week five is a tough road. (laughs) Philly, Dallas, Tennessee, right? And then Chicago, who knows? And then you got Green Bay. But here's what I would say. The NFC East is fascinating, and I think Philly's a really good candidate to bet the over number. Oh, yeah. Because the NFC East plays the AFC South and the NFC North. I mean, that's a yeah. really good combination that, that could – so Washington could be a potential – if I thought they were better at quarterback, I think they would be an over team only because mm-hmm. their number's going to be low. However, you, you know, you got a chance to, to – because of the who you're playing, you got a chance to – to add, but then when you look at their team and they've made no changes to their defensive staff, their offense was a disaster. The defense was worse, one of the worst teams on third down, gave up all these yards and points. And mm. like people were walking around, like, how are they going to be any better? That's a very good question. Uh, I want to ask you about Philadelphia. I also want to ask you about Survivor as well on the other side. There's a lot we got to get to still left in this podcast, but we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. All right, Michael, we're betters here at VEASAN, and, you know, we do all our shows. And one of the interesting things about week one of the NFL season is we get these competitions. We get the survivor Mm. pools, and I'm curious to see who you think could be the best candidate for survivor because for those who are uninitiated survivors, you get to pick a team each week, but you can never use them later on down the line in the season. So whoever you pick in week one to win, you can't use them. So it's kind of strategic on how you want to save some teams later on down the line. But in week one, who do you think is the best choice here for survivor pools? Well, I think, you know, also on survivor, you've got, you can, the Thanksgiving weekend. Yes. 
and Christmas are two individual weekends. So instead of having a 17-week season, you now have a 19-week season. So you've got to pick 19 winners. And, and on paper, it sounds pretty easy, right? It, it, it is far like, from it. You know, <laughs> and so just look at the team with the you know, that has the biggest point spread against them and pick that team, right? Because you're not doing <laughs> points. It's just winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. So to me and everybody that does it, Mike, Mike Palm and Den- Derek Stevens, they're going to announce their circuit contest, uh, I mm-hmm. think, Tuesday on Mitch and Pauly's show. They're going to announce the prizes, which is going to go way up. You've got to be in Vegas to enroll or use a proxy. or do. You've got to be in Vegas to enroll, but you can mm-hmm. use a proxy to turn your picks in. But, but to me, you, you know, on the surface, you, you want to be able to have a strategy, I think, Femi. I've never done it, but I would want to have a strategy where I, I want to make sure that I wasn't taking a team that was going to go into bad weather. Like, for example... You know, the, the, the Patriots going to, to Miami, you know, with the heat and humidity, yeah. that kind of levels the playing field, you know. And so, you know, I probably would look at the Titans against the Giants would be the number one team I might take opening weekend. But, you know, I need to see the Titans in the preseason and do all that. But that would be my first instinct. Or you say, what about the Colts against the Texans? Well, last year everybody took Jacksonville against the Texans and they lost, they yeah. were out in the pool completely. So that would be my first instinct. Green Bay going to going to Minnesota sounds pretty easy and tempting. However, do you want to use Green Bay that early? Do you trust that a team on the road? Most people love to play this, and I would love your comment on this. Most people mm-hmm. love to play this uh, taking the home team. Yeah, and I, I get the thought process behind home teams. My one rule for week one is no divisional games. I absolutely stay away from all the divisional games because divisional games, especially early on, can be absolutely insane. I mean, how many years have we seen this? You mentioned the Jaguars beating the Colts last or two years ago, the Phillip Rivers-led Colts, when everyone said, oh, the Colts are eight-point favorites, put them in pen, and everyone had them in their survivor, and the Jags win that game. They'll only win the entire season. Like Divisional games early in the season are absolutely chaos. I stay away from those. Then after that, I kind of pick and choose, okay, do I get a defending champion against an easy team on opening night? I don't get that, so Rams are off of the list. For me, and it could be risky, but here's what I would do if I had to choose right now. We'll see what happens later on down the line in September. If I had to choose, I'd actually talk about the game that we talked about earlier. I'd choose the San Francisco 49ers in my survivor pool. I'm going to risk it, roll the dice with Trey Lance, just because it's more so a fade of the Chicago Bears. I think the Bears offseason – Maybe it sets them up down the line in 2023, but for 2022, this team is going to be bad. They're going to be really, really bad, and it's Matt Eberflus' first time as a head coach. Kyle Shanahan, week one, should be a much better head coach than Matt Eberflus will be. I think that 49ers defensive line against that Bears offensive line might be the biggest mismatch on the entire board here from an X's and O's standpoint. The the Niners might just be able to run the football the entire game and win that one. They might not have to ask Trey Lance to throw the ball there. I would go the Niners over the Bears also because I don't want to use the Niners later on down the line because I don't trust Lance, and they also play a tough schedule in a tough division in the NFC West. Yeah, I think that's what you, you know. I think you make great points there, but I, I think you have to. But the unknown of Lance would worry the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah. I, would be, I, 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 will, I would be scared. Of, I'll be I mean, sweating. He could be the great equalizer. <laughs> he could turn the ball over three times, and you know, and we'd be sitting here saying, you know, how did that happen? And and, yeah. and I think you have to kind of strategically also keep a couple teams on those Christmas Day and Thanksgiving Day games alive, mm-hmm. right? I don't think you need to keep them all alive, 
but you need to keep a couple of them alive. You keep maybe keep the Bills, use them against Detroit. I know it's a hard game that in Detroit always is, but yeah. maybe keep that one alive. But I mean, last year, you know, Chicago, everybody was taking the Raiders on Thanksgiving Day, and Chicago to me were the better was the better play, and Chicago ended up winning that game late. You know, mm-hmm. but it but and the Raiders lost because I thought the Raiders were at least a competitive team. Chicago should have beaten Detroit, even though Detroit, you know, because Detroit was missing so many players and their defense was bad. I I, I go back and forth. I think I think you can't go too far down the road, Femi. I think the yeah. strategy on Survivor has to be two weeks at a time and really break it down and have some rules that you don't like. You don't want to play a. a we know this road teams do win. And those crazy night games always have some kind of turbulent way of turning out. You know, take Denver against Seattle. Mm -hmm. Okay, that looks easy. Is it? It's not going to be easy. It's going to be a ruckus environment. What I know about that region and and that fan base, they are champing at the bit to get at Russell Wilson there. And and it's not that they hate him, but they definitely feel like he ditched them. So that is going to be a very loud crowd. Wilson's used to that stadium and everybody cheering for him. He's never experienced it with them all cheering against him. Yeah, I mean, and and that's right. And and look, at some point, they got to get their mojo back. Now, look, I understand it's Drew Locke and I'm not in love with Drew Locke and I killed Drew Locke (laughs) on this pod too many times. So I would stay away from the game. No, there's never (laughs) enough. It's not enough. Like, seriously. But in fairness to what Pete Carroll said, he would have been one of the better quarterbacks in this draft. That's how shitty this draft was. You know? Yeah, that's bad. I mean, that's how shitty this draft was. So I I think I lean towards, to me, the Titans seem like, look, Mm. last year the Titans opened up bad at home. You know, they had all those COVID problems. They missed a lot of guys. Their timing wasn't off. Last year, what I try to do to opening the season up is see what teams really start the year with really good uh, amount of rushes and completions. You'd be surprised. Arizona is one of those teams that is very good at the start of the year. For whatever reason, Kingsbury gets their team ready. They have really good rushes, completions. Now, Hopkins is not going to play against the Chiefs, Mm -hmm. so that's a problem. You know, and then maybe do you take do you take a chance on the Panthers? Noah Brissett could be the quarterback Ooh, of the Browns. I can't. No, I, I can't. Well, I know, but but here's the thing: everybody says you can't, but at some point you you, you only get you have 19 teams. Yeah. You're gonna you, you can't you can't everything. I can't do that. I can't <laughs> yeah. do that. Like it's like uh, we can't take them here. It's like Bill Walsh would say all the time. Well, I mean, at some point we can't pass either. No, that's fair. I mean, even it's. Cleveland, their roster is put together so well, and I really respect Stefanski as a head coach to where I wouldn't want to go against him, especially with what we could have at quarterback for Carolina. Now, if it's Baker Mayfield, that spices things up a little bit. But if it's not Baker Mayfield, I I worry about that Panthers offense scoring against that Browns defense here. But the Niners early on would be my pick for Survivor, even though it's going to be a really sweaty experience with Trey Lance making his third career start on the road there. We had we had one guy last year had five entries in and he went we went off the beaten track and like three of them opening weekend and he lost. I mean you know a lot of people do more than one entry too, right? Yep. Which is which is fascinating. To, I think it's the hardest thing to do. I really do. I think the contest picking five winners every week is challenging, mm-hmm. but you you can logically work your way to some answers. The survivor one is really a harder one because you've got to really take a chance on a couple teams that you don't feel good about. Yeah, and you can get into your own head too when it's only one selection. It's like okay, yeah, like, like last year, Baltimore doing. goes down to my Baltimore goes down to Miami, you know, and Brissett gets hurt. I mean, it's a disastrous game, and Baltimore loses, yep. and, and and that knocked out a zillion people in Survivor.
Yeah, they're like eight and a half point favorites on a Thursday yeah. night in Miami, and they lose the game outright. Um, let's look at strength of schedule here, though, Michael, because I wanted to ask you about strength of schedule. Some teams with some tough starts, teams with the easy starts. Let's start with the veggies first, the tough starts here. And the teams that I outlined was Kansas City, Buffalo, Tampa, Pittsburgh. We talked off air. You said New England, also another team with a tough start. Just how do you go about navigating this? And with the, these contenders like the Chiefs, Bills, and Bucks, one of them might not start off very hot based on that first month there. Right. I, and I think what you have to do is coach your team to not think – you're not. it's not how we start, it's how we finish, right? Mm -hmm. So we've got to be able to play this thing. We've got to improve. You know, we're going to go into Arizona if you're the Chiefs. Andy will have his team ready. He's usually good opening weekend. You come back, you got to play the Chargers at home. You get that on Amazon Prime. You know, we get Herbie and, and, and Al Michaels in the booth for the first time and – and then you got to go. You get some break, and then you go to. Then you got the Colts at Lucas Oil. So I, I think it's all about look. Let's improve this team. Let's not get caught up in where we start. It's how we finish. I think that's the key. And look, when you're the Chiefs, is there any easy games? I mean, you're playing in those. You're playing in the West. They're all hard. I mean, there's there's mm -hmm. no game to catch your breath. The only game you you kind of feel like it's what quarterback level are you playing? That's the key. How good is the quarterback you're playing next week? Tennessee's a hard game, but if Tannehill's not playing well, you know, is it a hard game? We'll see. Yeah, I'm looking at their schedule right now. The only quote-unquote gimmies, home for Jacksonville Week 10. They're on the road in Houston Week 15, and then they're home for Seattle Week 16. Outside of that, it wouldn't it's shock me if they lost any of these games. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. That's why it's so challenging. It's, you know, because you're a good team and you're playing good teams, and now you're playing... You know, you're playing the AFC South, which gives you a benefit, but, you know, you're also playing a first-place schedule. <coughs> you know, you're also playing a first-place schedule. You're playing the, you're playing the teams that, that – and you're playing the NFC – you know, you're playing Seattle. You know, so you're playing the NFC South, too, NFC West. So you've got San Francisco. You've got those tough teams in there that, that you've got to match up. It's a hard, hard schedule. There's really – because of the quality of the AFC – there's not a lot of easy games. Yeah, there's, the, the Super Bowl favorite is the Buffalo Bills. Listen to this first portion of the schedule. They're at the Rams opening night. That's a coin flip game. The Rams are short favorites there. Then they host the Tennessee Titans. You think they should be able to get by that one in week two. They go to the Miami Dolphins week three. Always a tough place to play early on in the season. They'll make you wear your dark colored uniforms. They're going to put you out there in the sun. Then they go to Baltimore week four. Like, it's not crazy to think that Buffalo could start two and two, maybe even one and three, even though they're the Super Bowl favorite and thought of as the best team in the league. Yeah, and I think we should make a comment here that regardless of what their record is after week six when they go in the bye, after they play the first six games, let's throw it out because yeah. they have time to regroup. Like, let's not form a concrete opinion about the Bills because they stubbed their toe in Miami or Baltimore beat them. I, I think it's, it's really about those first six games are going to be lessons learned. And when we learn those lessons about the team, how do we adjust to it? And so as long as they've got Allen playing at the level he played at, I don't, I don't see him not being able to overcome it. If they're 4-2 mm -hmm. and two at that point, that's a oh, legitimate, man. that's a legitimate, you know. And look, Pittsburgh is, you know, they got Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, whoever's going to be the quarterback. They're not going to be an easy out. I no. mean, they play hard. And when you play Baltimore, then Pittsburgh, that, that's a hard back-to-back <laughs> -back because of the physicality of the game. And then 
after that stretch, oh, by the way, you get to go play Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, the uh, yeah. demon that you've been trying to knock off for the past two years now. And, and that's and then right rest up, the And then rest up, you can go see Aaron Rodgers for a day. Like, yeah. That's hard. That is a hard schedule, those first eight weeks here for Buffalo. But like you said, I think that's important to note that but it's do, a little do bit not like write the them fallacy. off too early. It's a foul. It, to me, these hard schedules are better for you. It's the Gonzaga theory, right? Okay. Gonzaga plays these easy games. They play these hard games in November. And then when they get to tournament time, they're the greatest team ever. Pomeroy's got them graded high, yada, yada, yada. Everybody has them number one seed overall, number one. But when they play against a level of comp, they can't rise their level. You, yeah. You've got to battle people. You've got to become battle. To, cha- to be a champion, you've got to be battle-tested. Like, we're not shooting a Hollywood movie here. It's not going to be perfect. You know, it's not going to be the, you know, for the love of the game. You're not going to pitch the no hitter. You, you got to go over some obstacles. It's got to fight through some adversity. Something that Joel Embiid would never know how to do. Like, how do we fight through adversity? Like, if, you know, that's the key to championship teams. Milwaukee, we fight through adversity. We found a way to win a game against Boston. That's what champions look like. And when you do that, you become a champion. If you just want to play the easy schedule in the Hollywood movie, oh, we're going to win, you're never going to beat a champion. Might be a Hollywood uh, movie for the team in your neck of the woods there, the Philadelphia Eagles. They Start the year at the Lions, home Vikings, at the Commanders, home Jaguars. Wouldn't shock me if they started 4-0. No, I love them on the over. I think you got to consider them on the over. I think people are going to start betting them on the over heavily, and I think their num- over number is going to move significantly. Yeah, that's going to be a fascinating team there in the NFC East. A lot of people love Fly Eagles Fly. Let's take one more break here on the other side. I want to ask you about an old buddy of yours who's joining the media space when he gets done playing, and of course, the 76ers. All right, Michael, we've been talking a lot about this NFL schedule. The broadcast companies are excited about the primetime slates that they all were given. Uh, Rich Eisen said it was a filet mignon across the board for every single network. But one network made a big splash earlier this week. Tom Brady. And this surprises me, Michael. And I want to get your thoughts on it as well. Tom Brady, when he decides to hang up the cleats, will be joining Fox Sports to be their lead NFL analyst 10-year deal worth $375 million. Were you surprised to see Brady jumping to our side and joining the media? I I was because I really felt like Brady would dabble in owning a team, being partners with a team, running a team, the competitive fiber of the game. You know, but look, when somebody's throwing that kind of coin around, you know, all your dreams can vanish. You know, nothing says I'm sorry better than cash. And I'm sorry I can't be an owner, but I'm going to go be a TV personality. That's a lot of coin. And I've asked people, is it real? And everybody tells me it's real. Like everybody that I, all the agents in the media business tell me it's real. And so good for him. And, and I think it just shows you where we are at DraftKings and VEASAN, how important this is. This betting market is going to continue to become mm-hmm. and how people are just going to start to gravitate. I think ultimately you're going to have to change how people take in the game, to consume the game to give them an opportunity to help them on the betting line. I think there's no doubt about that. Brian Musburger and Bill AD, they were far ahead of everybody with VEASAN and DraftKings yeah. certainly. I think that's going to be continue to be the trend. There's too much. This money isn't given out to them because, you know, they just they they see him as a, a you know a charity kid. That, that he's bringing value back to them based on outside of networks. Yeah, the demand I mean, is it's a little bit like McAfee. I mean, McAfee's the same thing. Oh my thing. gosh, yeah. The demand is there for sure, and and for sports betting content, for sports content in general, there and Brady reaping the uh, the rewards of it. Because we were texting back and forth on Monday. 
And I asked you, I told you, I was like, hey, like, I'm kind of stunned that Brady's doing this. Do you think it's just because of the money? And you said, probably. And then two hours later, the contract gets announced. And I was like, yep, that, that, that's, uh, that makes sense. That checks out $375 million over the course of a decade. Now, my next question, though, is do you think he'll be good? You know, I mean, he knows so much about the game and and how he communicates that part of the game is going to be critical, you know, and how he can synthesize his words and really kind of explain the game with enthusiasm and with quick hits that will be way different than anybody else is talking about. Because part of Brady's, the, the that separates Brady from most everyone is his upbringing. You know, he was trained in a way to see the game completely different. You know, from the mm. first time he stepped into 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 Foxborough, you know, when you go into Foxborough, you can ask any player. I'm not shilling for one of my best friends. I'm just saying this is he sees the game differently, and he teaches the game differently to everybody else. And so that that ability to transpose that to the audience is going to be great because I think oftentimes a lot of ex players that get into the booth they don't do this. I was listening to Hubie Brown the other day on a pod, and and he was talking about his transition into television and doing all that and and he doesn't you know his whole thing is look he's 88 years old i don't want to tell you what you saw i want to explain what you saw and then i want to tell you what's going to go forward that's what we miss that's what we miss we spent so much time talking about the the technique of the left corner if his elbow's out or not you know and and people want to show how smart they are about the coverage as opposed to synthesize the game explain the game that's happening and what's the adjustments to the game and brady will be brilliant at that yeah, I think that's what the late, great John Madden did, and that's why he was so beloved. No doubt. He, he was the absolute best teacher that we've ever had in terms of a sports analyst there because he always made it simple. A game that can be so complex, he broke down and simplified it to where the novice would be able to understand what he was talking about. Uh, before we wrap things up here, Michael, for the final time here for at least a while, Sixers and 60. Uh, El- elim- I mean, elim- I- eliminated last night by the Miami Heat in six games. I'll, I'll let you take it away. Well, I think if you're Josh Harris, you're the owner. You, you've got to sit there and say, you know, you, you've got this this guy who's supposedly your greatest player, the MVP. People are stranded in the stadium, you know, and he's out there throwing everybody under the bus. Yeah. I mean, at some point, at some point, when do you realize that he, this is what he's always done? I mean, if if you really want to me, they, the time is now to trade him. The time is now to trade him. You say, well, that's ridiculous. Well, how are you going to improve your team? I mean, if if they sign if they sign Harden back, it's malpractice. It's literally, it's mm-hmm. malpractice. You know, they've trapped themselves. They made all these bad decisions. And now, you know, their best players cry. I want somebody like P.J. Tucker on my team. Hey, dude, you're the best player. You're supposed to play the best. Like, you're supposed to be the tough. Like, I, that performance the last two nights, and people say, well, he was hurt. Did Iverson ever complain when he was hurt? Iverson was the MVP. He took that team, which I promise you, Femi, you can't name three other guys on that team. You might know Eric Snow because he yeah. played up in Seattle, you know, but I mean, you know, some of the guys that were on that team it that was Larry bad. was coaching, Dikembe, I mean, okay, he was a good player. They traded for him. They had Theo Ratliff before, Aaron McKee. Aaron McKee, shout out I, to Aaron McKee. I, I mean, th- this was not a, a George Lynch. I mean, this was not a a, a really talented team, but Iverson was an elite player. You know the thing I learned, and I know I'm I'm going off here, but I I think in doing this book, what I've learned is I think we as a generation today have a hard time understanding what really is great. Like to say that Embiid is like Olajuwon is really a joke. Oh, no. Like it's not even close. Like to say Embiid's like Moses Malone, it's not even close. Like he's as talented as anybody on the planet, 
but as a player and as a performer, it's not close. No, he's, you he's, can, you can, yeah. you can make all the excuses you want, but at the end of the day, great players like Giannis play great in great times. And that's the fine line. That's the difference. You know, what I think learning and what I've done writing up these top 100 players is there's a difference between drive and motivation. You know, Embiid's motivated to win the MVP. There's no drive for him. I mean, have you ever seen a guy get more tired with his conditioning than Embiid? I mean, last night in the, with eight minutes to go in the first quarter, he was exhausted. He was done. He missed because he missed all that. He's never in elite shape to, to get stronger as the game goes on. You know, I was writing up Jerry Rice the other day. What's the number one quality Jerry Rice had? Stamina. Mm-hmm. He was better in the fourth quarter than he was in the first quarter. That's elite. That's elite. We, we have a problem because of the Worldwide Leader and all these shows. We, we educate our fans on what is elite, and it's not. Like, that's not elite. It's good. It's really good. It's certainly wonderful, but it's not elite. Giannis is elite. Yep. Steph Curry was elite at his time. You know, Iverson, now that was elite. Bar- Kobe Bryant, now we're talking about elite now. You, you're talking about, you, you've lost two, two years in a row in, the, in a divisional round in six games, and you think you're the greatest player on planet Earth? Please. Now, you, you mentioned Jerry Rice. I can just picture the image of him running up and down that hill all throughout the offseason, that hill that he would always train on. And that's why he was yeah. always one of the best conditioned athletes of his time there. And Embiid, I, I, don't know, I don't know if I can get on board with you in terms of trading Embiid because I think that he's just, you're never going to find, you, you, you could find better, but it's very rare that you'd be able to find well, me, better. Will, Will Hill tweeted this out. Uh, would you rather, if you would flop Jokic and Embiid for Denver, what, what would, the, would, you think he, oh. would you think they would have... I, I, Who would I you mean, rather have? Denver's going to say hell no. Denver's going to, that's the point. <laughs> yeah. That's the point, right? Yeah. That's the point. You, you know, I said two years ago, they should trade him for Booker, and everybody said, well, they wouldn't take that trade. Well, that's the point. That's the point. Yeah. That you, you, you're hanging on to something that you think has this incredible value, but when you start to throw around real stars, that you can't get the value back. What does that tell you about them? You know, it's like rice. I mean, when I what I've tried to do in this in this top hundred players. I mean, the book's obviously longer than just the top hundred players, mm-hmm. but I try to tell a story about the player. It related to some way. And in rice, when you talk about it, I, I talked about where I had to write a book report on three players: Rice, Toon, and Eddie Brown. And the Rice book report, every time you called anybody at his hometown of Crawford, Mississippi at B.L. Moore College at high school that's no longer in play, they would all tell you the guy works harder than anybody. That he was literally catching bricks in the air to stack them for his dad to lay to build a house. Like, this is a unique human being. And when I gave that report to Walsh, he wanted no, he wanted me to conclude nothing. Nothing. He said, don't write a conclusion. You just lay out all the facts in a, in a, in a paragraph fashion. I don't, want it, I don't want bullet points. I want it laid out. I handed it three reports. I put him on his desk. He thanked me and never said a word about him. But mm. you could shape the player. Like, there's no shaping. Like, there's no way you could say, well, Embiid works hard. Well, give me five examples in a game where he's really worked. Last night, he wasn't even in the low post. Yeah. No, and, that, and that's kind of been the book on Embiid, the rap on him, is that as the series goes on, he gets more and more tired because of that conditioning there. Uh, it's crazy that we went five minutes on this and didn't even bring up James Harden, who he's getting a lot of the flack, I think maybe because Embiid, like you said, threw him under the bus last night, and he also didn't play well. But James Harden, we know that he's up for that max contract. We'll see if he gets it. Probably not. Maybe for the if Sixers If Maury or not, gives him a max contract. That's his buddy, though. It, it, 
if, if Maury gives him a, if jo, if Josh Harris, the man who's one of the wealthiest men on the planet. If he allows Maury to give two hundred million of his money away to Harden, Maury's—that's Mor- Mor- malpractice. You can't allow that. Like you, I mean, the guy sits five seats from Doc <laughs> Harris. He sits five seats from Doc. If he brings Doc back, he's not paying attention. Okay, he obviously is pretty clear he's not paying attention to that. But if he then brings Doc back and then brings Harden back under the auspice of, well, we're going to bring it back together. We get a year together. Everything will be. Then I don't understand how they made men all the money. It's going to be fascinating to see throughout this offseason. We could talk about the Sixers. That could be a separate podcast in itself, but we got to end this episode of the GM Shuffle. Uh, we went through the entire NFL schedule, the news and notes from week one, all the big games throughout the year, so we can discuss that more at length as we go throughout the offseason. But, Michael, always good to chat with you. Good to thank, chat. Thank we'll be back to- Thursday again. We're back on the Thursday routine. And we're going to start, Femi, I wanted everybody to know, we're going to start doing the Blues and Red Chips. So we're going to rate every the blue chip players are the top five players at the position. The red chips are the top 10 players at the position. We're going to start. We'll start at the defense and we'll end at quarterback and we're going to rank the league. That is going to be absolutely fun. Look out for that throughout the offseason. Now that we're in the meat of this offseason schedule in May going into the summer months, June, July, August, and then September, we'll be back, buddy. Football will be here. It's just a corner away. But thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to VEASAN. Thank you to our guy, Stephen Bond, as always, producing it. Michael, I will talk to you soon. Subscribe, rate, and review as always, folks. 